inspiration. Turn up the motivation. You're on the Ziggler Inspire Podcast. Zig Ziggler wants you to be your best. Welcome to Zig Ziglar's Inspire Podcast. This is your host, Blake Lindsay, and we are in for a big treat today. I encourage you to find the time to listen to this podcast several times in the next week until you have internalized what Zig is saying to you. Let's turn it up a notch and listen to Zig together. I'm a foodie, and I enjoy learning about the process that brings great foods and beverages from idea to the table. And then I like tasting them and learning the nuances of what creates the most significant tastes from coffee to cheese to distilled beverages. I did a tequila tasting in Mexico and recently bourbon, Heaven Hill bottled in bond bourbon. It really impressed me from the story to the taste. I grew up in Kentucky where horse racing and bourbon are famous and I got introduced to Heaven Hill bottled in bond bourbon. It's produced by Heaven Hill Distillery, which has been and still remains family owned since 1935. And I'm impressed with the bourbon's ultra-rich, smooth taste. And right on the bottle, it states that this bourbon is seven years old, which is actually three times longer than what's required to be certified as bottled in bond. I feel with beverages, the longer the prep, the better the taste. Being a bottled in bond product means it must pass a list of seven requirements that set the standard for this quality bourbon. So look for it at your local store. Heaven Hill reminds you to think wisely and drink wisely. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. With our emotional health secure, we need to look more at keeping our mental health in the proper focus. Question, have you ever gone to a movie and laughed? Question, have you ever gone to a movie and cried? The odds are at least 4,000 to 1 that you answered yes to both. Next question, do you really believe you felt those emotions because of something they put in the seats? Or was it because of something that was put on the screen which went into your mind and in turn affected your thinking and your emotions? The point I'm making is that what you put in your mind does have an impact on you. Fortunately, you can choose what you put into your mind. The bottom line is very simple. Your attitude is important. So we need to carefully look at what we can do to avoid stinking thinking, which ultimately leads to hardening of the attitudes. At this point, you should be thinking to yourself, Okay, Ziegler, what can I do within my own limited time frame to maintain that positive mental attitude so that I can treat my belligerent prospects as graciously as I do the friendly prospects? How can I be pleasant to my maiden children as well as my neighbors and casual acquaintances when I've had a tough day out in the field? The answer is simple, but not easy. Please accept the fact you cannot control the circumstances in your life, but there are many things you can do to control your mental attitude as you deal with those circumstances. You begin by understanding you are what you are and where you are because of what has gone into your mind. And you can change what you are and where you are by changing what goes into your mind. In short, you choose what you read, listen to, and view, as I have been describing throughout this tape series. 
The third aspect in our quest for the right attitude is physical health. Incidentally, it is impossible to separate the physical, mental, and emotional, spiritual aspects of attitude. There are a number of superb books which give you a considerable amount of information on the subject. My two favorites are Dr. Richard Furman's book, The Save Your Life Cholesterol book, and Dr. Ken Cooper's The Aerobic Program to Total Fitness. Both books deal with diet and exercise. As a physical fitness devotee since the early 1970s, I can tell you that taking care of your health will pay you enormous dividends in increased energy, fewer days spent in sickness, and your extra energy will produce increased revenue for your family. We will never be able to calculate the literally billions of dollars in lost income which American salespeople suffer every year. Think about what happens because the salesperson is simply too tired to get an early start in the morning, ran out of gas before the day was over, or had that inevitable energy drop after eating a heavy noon meal. For these salespeople, the idea of making one more presentation before they call it a day simply becomes a physical impossibility. Their energy bucket is drained. Dr. William James, the father of American psychology, said, The most important discovery of our time is the realization that we can alter our lives by altering our attitudes. When you take the steps I am recommended here, you are getting the person right so that you can get the salesperson right. Epilogue. Something personal for you. I heard a wise person say once, It's not where you start, it's where you finish that counts. Since I began this book with a story of my less than spectacular start, perhaps I should finish with the rest of the story, at least up to this point. I do believe the best is yet to come. In your life, there will be many instances where the right person will come your way and make a difference. I vividly remember one of those occasions when that teacher came into my life. After two and a half years of selling, my credit had run out, my patience was exhausted. My frustration was at an all-time high. My creditors were not overly happy with me. And even the redhead was beginning to wonder if perhaps I had chosen the wrong profession. She never voiced it, but somehow I've got to believe there was concern on her part. Then one day I went to a meeting, spent the day in Charlotte, North Carolina at a training school, and did not learn a thing. I drove back to Lancaster, South Carolina late that afternoon and conducted a demonstration that evening. I finally got back to our little apartment at about 11.30 p.m., and the baby kept us up most of the night. The next morning at 5.30, the alarm clock, that was before I learned that it is actually an opportunity clock, sounded off to alert me that it was time to drive back to Charlotte for day number two of the training meeting. Force of habit rolled me out of bed, but when I looked at the snow that had fallen overnight and my little Crosley automobile without a heater, I decided to do what most intelligent human beings would do. I got back in bed. But even as I lay down, the words of my mother came back to me. Son, if you're in something, get in it. If you're not in it, get out. If you're not giving your best effort, you're not being fair to the person you're working for, and you're not being fair to yourself. I remember that it had taken me over two months to persuade the company to give me the job. 
They did not believe that I could sell. And for the next two and a half years, all I had done was prove they had been right in the first place. However, I had promised them that I would attend all sales meetings and all training sessions. And in two and a half years, not only had I not missed a meeting, I had never even been late for one. I rolled out of bed, drove to the meeting, and that's the day my world turned around. Mr. P.C. Merrill, my hero, the man who had set all the records and written the training program, was in charge of this most important day. When the training session was over, he literally got me into a corner and said, Zig, I've watched you for over two and a half years, and I've never seen such a waste. Naturally, this got my attention very quickly, and I asked him what he meant. He responded that in his judgment, I had real ability, that I could be a national champion, that I could go to the top and someday become an executive in the company if I went to work on a regular schedule and believed in myself. Please understand that from the very beginning, I'd been told to go to work on a regular schedule. But when you're a little guy from a little town who's never really going to do anything, then you rationalize. Why should I beat my head against the wall when nothing good is ever going to happen to me anyhow? Now, however, a man in whom I had complete trust and faith, a man whose integrity and character were beyond question, was telling me that I could be a national champion. I believed him. What a difference a day makes. On the way home, that little Crosley scarcely touched the ground. I had a demonstration that evening with three prospects, and little did they realize what was about to happen to them. They never had a chance. They were not dealing with a little guy from a little town who would struggle all of his life. They were dealing with a national champion, a man who was destined to go to the top, who could even be an executive in the company if he really put his mind to it. Not only did I sell all three prospects that evening, but I completed the year second in the nation out of over 7,000 people and received the best promotion the company had to offer. I swapped the Crosley for a really nice car, and the next year was the highest paid field person in the United States with that company. Three years later, I became the youngest divisional supervisor in the 66-year history of the company and set some records which stand to this day. At this point, I must tell you that before I speak to an audience of any size, I never speak without asking God to make me a P.C. Merrill in the life of each person there. I do this whether it's for the 23,000-plus beautiful young men and women with the future farmers of America, or whether it's for a dozen retired Baptist preachers for whom I spoke a number of years ago. I've often wondered what it would be like to be able to spend time with every person who has ever attended one of my seminars, read one of my books, or listened to one of my recordings. Realistically, I know that is the impossible dream. However, I'm going to ask you to use your creative imagination and right now visualize me standing directly in front of you, calling you by name and saying some of the things Mr. Merrill said to me and adding some of my own thoughts with the hope that they will have an impact in your life as Mr. Merrill's words and thoughts did in my life. Here's what I would love to say. You are rare. You're special unique, different, and important. You can make a difference in the lives of other people. 
Over 10 billion people have walked the earth, but there is not now, there never has been, and there never will be another one quite like you. Your voice pattern is different from any other voice on earth. Your fingerprints are different. Your very genes leave their own trail of identifying marks completely different from any other human being who has ever lived. You're a special individual. Develop your uniqueness. Apply it by utilizing the principles we've been discussing and make a real effort to be a difference maker in other lives. I would conclude my thoughts to you by saying, I hope you're one of those individuals who is active in our electoral process in America. I hope you vote in the national, state, local, city, and county elections, whether for the local justice of the peace or president of the United States. Your voice is important and can make a difference. But now... I'm going to give you an opportunity to cast a vote which is infinitely more important than any vote you've ever cast in any election anywhere at any time for anybody. This vote is going to be cast in the privacy of your own mind. And while its impact might be substantial on other lives, the biggest impact will be in your own. Since this vote is so important, I'm going to ask you to use your imagination to reach up and close the draperies to the polling booth because this vote is extremely important and very, very personal and private. Now look carefully, and you'll see a number of levers indicating a number of different names for whom you can vote. However, one name sticks out more clearly than any other name. That name is your own, and it is emblazoned in pure gold on the voting lever. Reach for that lever. Pull it down with force, vigor, conviction, and enthusiasm. Vote for you, and when you do, you will discover that long ago, God had already voted for you. With those two votes, my friend, you can win any election or contest which you will ever enter. That eternal arithmetic is so powerful and so true. It clearly says that you plus God equals enough. Accept that as a basic fact, and I really will see you. And yes, I do mean you at the top. Did you vote for yourself? Do you truly believe you can be a great one? If you alter your attitudes, you can alter your life. I completely agree with Zig Ziglar. Yes, the best is yet to come. Until next week, this is Blake Lindsay encouraging you to live your life to the fullest. Zig Ziglar. Ziglar. Inspiring true performance.